Yeah, all right. We're finally doing it. I so I watched uh, I watched the films last night. Did you? Yeah. Which ones? All three or the just I watched shorts? I watched the two shorts. So I saw Playing House, essentially. Uh, part one, part two. And it's crazy because you you know, we talked back in the spring about how yeah, I loved imitating life also, but we also talked about there being a bit of a divide between, you know, some of the reality and whatever. This yeah. these two shorts really hit home as far as being able to just clearly say why and how all of this came about. So right. And and I made it as a desperate attempt to explain myself. The first one at least, chapter 1, uh you know, it was it was uh right after I had a diagnosis for a a brain tumor and I was going in for surgery and I was concerned that, you know, my life's work would be completely misunderstood. And I was just yeah. desperate to to make sense of it all for anybody who who might uh, consider my work. Well, potentially that... posthumously. And uh, so I just jammed it out in a, in a couple of months. Um, chapter one was right after I came back from Paris, where I did a, a good chunk of the series. I think there was a... 11 images that came out of two weeks in Paris. And you left your husband on the streets. <laughs> so oh, I'm, I'm jumping so far ahead. This is exactly what I said I wasn't going to do. But um, <laughs> but let me let me introduce you really quick properly. So yeah. Suzanne Heinz, our guest today, we have taken a, a, a short hiatus for the last few months, creative moonlighting because of work, this thing we do that we have to make money. But um, but you're our first uh, first guests since March. And I've been waiting on this one for so long. I, I, I'm going to go quickly over th- how I stumbled upon your work. Um, so just and as a brief introduction for anybody listening, um, Suzanne is a visual artist, primarily photos and video. Um, and then I'm going to steal this description right off your site because I thought it was awesome. It's equal parts photography and theater with an emphasis on satire, which I didn't think about it being taboo in the art world, but totally makes sense. Um, And then uh, you have this core belief that that to make an impact, it's essential to connect with the audience. And we are going to definitely talk about that. Um, And your work, it's intended for everyone. It's not exclusively for the art educated. Um, So you use these mediums that, you know, are most universal photos and video. But the way I found you, which was interesting, is... Uh, maybe 2012, I wrote a, a, a book about acting and it's called Imitating Life. That was the, the and, I, and I thought to myself, you know, I should break that up and put it, oddly enough, into some video, a little bit more small, digestible video pieces. So I Google search, let me just make sure this isn't already taken. <laughs> and I, I come across this movie called Imitating Life, The Audacity of Suzanne Heinz. And I was like, holy shit, there is a movie. And I was like, well, I got to watch it. And then I forgot all about whatever I was doing with the book. I was all in on this this story behind this artist this doing this crazy stuff with mannequins and taking these awesome pictures. So that's how I stumbled on, you know, what what you do. Um, and 
I just, I had to reach out I, and I found you on Instagram, reached out, took you a few months to get back, but we, we totally connected. And it was just like, that is the best thing about the internet is I could find right. and locate and be able to talk with you. And now here we are. Yes. Yeah, it's so, awesome. Yeah, it is. So, uh, obviously our listeners know that the whole point of the podcast, creative moonlighting is, you know, us having to have day jobs and make money and balance this thing, uh, with our own creativity. But at one point in the movie and playing, house you scream and i think it actually might have been in the second part but you're sitting in your car you scream i'm not making any money why am i doing this <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i don't you know as far as where we start you know we, you and i have already talked we've talked about how working a day job is sort of this experience that it's different for us because all day long our thoughts get interrupted with these ideas of projects or artwork or things that you can't escape um and you made this comment yesterday about uh, I thought it was a big question and I figure, you know, we'll work our way through all this and come back essentially to this question. Uh, but you said this, you said, how do you get to the bottom line of your life faster so that you can spend the majority of your life's action focused on whatever that thing is? Yeah. So, so do you want to start maybe just talk about Explain that a little what I bit? Meant by that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. You know, most of us really think of our our job and our family as as the point, the bottom line of of living. Um, but for creatives, it's it's this it's a slightly different thing. It is you know um, reaching your potential in terms of your art is is really the thing that creatives. I think essentially consider that the bottom line of their life. The point of their life is to be a fully expressed creative. Mm -hmm. You know, it, to to go to your grave with your music inside you is it feels kind of like a a crime against yourself. So yeah, um, yeah. For me, I didn't really plan on doing anything artful with my creativity. I really. You know, I was I was raised by a very practical single mother, and I was also raised in New York, where everything's like about the bottom line, and the bottom line is about money. And um, I really just started off working, you know, for entertainment companies, you know, working for the man inside a corporation. And um, it, it wasn't until I was, you know, almost mid thirties where I was like, this isn't feeding me and uh, something's wrong and I am letting the best quality I have kind of go to pot. Uh, just, just making commercial work and, and it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It's like I made television. It was a bunch of pixels that just sort of evaporated into the, into the ether and no one remembered it. And I didn't remember it. It didn't have really any lasting impact at all other than maybe getting someone to look at their television and tune into a certain program. And, and I tell you, it, it was not satisfying. And that's when I picked up photography again. I thought, you know, I need to make something that isn't motivated by money and it isn't directed by a corporation. And it just sort of speaks to what I can do with my potential all by myself. And I didn't expect that any of that work was going to go anywhere. I really, I was working for a very long time making the pieces that are now shared on the internet, but I stuck them in the closet. They were, you know, 20 inch square prints all framed and they just sat there in the closet 
waiting oh, for something. Man. I don't know. Uh, and uh, I never really thought until I was um, one of my friends uh, turned me on to CBS Sunday Morning and they wanted to do a show about me and my holiday cards uh, <sighs> that I realized the potential of the work I did and that sharing it was, wow, uh, why didn't I do that earlier? And uh, the the work caught on through the use of social media all around the world. And I was blown away that something I did could relate to virtually everyone. And um, it really does. I mean, that that I was telling my wife this morning, I really wanted her to be on the call, too, because she we watched the movie together twice and she's working. She's she's doing her job. So she uh, but she was like, you know, you know, her perspective, obviously, as a woman relates so quickly. For some reason, I just said to her, I was like, you know, I've gone to we you know, we've gone and traveled and gone to art museums all over the world. And every so often you run into stuff and you just get this giant hit of dopamine when you walk (laughs) away. And I got that as soon as I saw your stuff. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And and then then getting the story from it, it was like, you know, I didn't I didn't even need to know the story to get it kind of if that makes any sense yeah but knowing the story obviously makes it all the better too but you know you made a comment another comment yesterday you were like you know people who don't people who do commit that crime against themselves and hide their art in the closet so to speak um that they end up cranky all the time you know (laughs) and it's true it's so true (laughs) yeah i mean you at least from my perspective i'm sure there's exceptions Mm mm-hmm that without sharing your work, you're missing it. You're missing it. Uh, uh, there's something great about, you know, doing it for yourself and using your brain for what it's good for. But limiting it there, I swear, when I did it, it, it didn't have the same impact on me either. Uh, knowing what happens when you share your work and, and seeing the difference between, you know, my days in the closet and, and, and the uh, the opportunity to you know go around the world and talk about this stuff it is night and day and yeah. to me that's that's really why i thought you know getting into film was the a better way to express the work that i was doing is you know i worked in television selling product why not selling an idea because yeah. people now that there's social media are projecting stories all the time to me, why why not use it to project a story that was a lot more meaningful than just, hey, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, hey, look at yourself. This is a series yeah. of self-portraits. Yeah. And I, I really intentionally used myself to, to make sure that people understood that I was talking about, like, insert your face here. This is not, I didn't use a, a model. I used myself so that people would look at themselves in my place yeah you're 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 effectively the mirror kind of thing yeah right and uh you know that you did also say that as well you know obviously when anybody who does take the time to create something it takes equally as much energy to share it now i guess with social media it is getting a bit easier to put it out there Mm -hmm. but the way that you share is a little different i do want to talk about that because you know i think there was another point in the movie in your movie where you're like people 
wonder why I don't just take the time. And, and look, I'm going to share all these images, give your site, all that stuff so people can see the work and know what we're talking about here. But um, but the idea that you could just create that on Photoshop or some of them. I'm not going to say all of them, but you you mentioned that that, you know, it's like, why don't why don't you just do it in your house and on, on Photoshop? Why not? Oh, uh, bite your tongue. I, I, I'm asking you. <laughs> you. You made the comment about you made the question, and then I want you to answer it. Right on. So, so to me, the point of doing this project in real life was to to make the fictionalized story of how my life script was supposed to play out to make it real mm-hmm. with artificial. Uh, metaphors there mm-hmm. those those you know the people the quote-unquote people that took the place of my husband and child were mannequins and yeah. i made them artificial to really scream out like the the difference between um the truth and and falsehoods they they are absolutely fake manifestations of of a successful life you know, if, if a woman like me goes for a career, you know, you get questions like, why haven't you, what's wrong with maternity and marriage? Why aren't you doing it? What What's wrong with your life? <laughs> yeah. And, it, and people asking you, why aren't you married? Right. Yeah. Constantly, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that, that was, that was part of it. It's like, um, it, people were trying to be complimentary they're like serious you got it going on i don't understand what's wrong why don't why aren't you married why don't you want kids <laughs> mm. and you know they weren't trying to be mean they were trying to show that they they thought i was great that if i was great then i should have these things greatness leads to this path not the one right. you're on okay right. i see somehow there's, well, there's got to be something wrong because it's just not falling into place for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, the, there's another thing, too, that, that's at work here, because if you went out and just told this story and you could do it in such like this monotone voice and whatever, nobody would connect with it. But you have all of these things that you're using to tell the story. You're, you've got the images. You've got the the physical act of carrying mannequins through the street. So Paris in, in the in the version I've seen, all you've been all over with them. And then you put those things down and you sit and set them up in a way. I mean, when you said that, you you know, your mom was like, it's it's some actually I don't want to take the story. You you said your your mom had said something about you can just pick. Not anyone's perfect. Oh. I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a, a trigger moment that set this whole thing off um you know even my mom was giving me gentle pressure uh you know in terms of like you know you gotta you gotta commit you gotta you gotta just grow up a little and um you know if you want to get married you're just gonna have to settle you're just gonna have to pick and nobody's perfect just pick somebody (laughs) and i it really rubbed me the wrong way when I heard that, you know, because I just sort of exploded and said, you know, what do you expect me to do? It's not like I can force this to happen. I can't just go shopping and buy a family. 
It's going to happen when it happens, if it happens at all. But that's, now I know, that's not really what she meant. She kind of meant that nobody's perfect. Yeah. And in, but, in so many ways, very right. Yeah. But what that did for me is set me off on a path of, you know, well, if that's the way it is, I'm just going to go make it happen. And I'm going to make a point of about what you're doing when you just get it done. And that this is really sort of how we set ourselves up for a life of, did I do it right? You're never quite okay with your life's choices because if you follow the script, you're wondering what, what you could have done if you didn't. And if you don't follow the script, you're kind of what you're wondering what you're missing if you had. Mm-hmm. Hadn't or had, you know, it's just like trying on alternate lives in your mind because obviously there's problems with any path that you pick and when you face those problems you're just like oh god what if i made a left turn instead of a right things would have been so much better so i think that's universal but i also think it connects to being a creative person you know i i still grapple with what if i had shared the work earlier what if i had known what i had with it what if i had gotten feedback and i had chosen to live a life as an artist instead of this sort of uh split path between a corporate employee and a creative who's just dying to do the work yeah but never has the time so uh, you know you're still chronically going i did i do it right did i make the right decision i don't know i could have been an artist but then i would have been poor so, yep. you know, it just it frustrates me to no end that art in, in at least in the U.S. is not something that is seen as necessary. It's, it's entertainment, kind of nice I guess. Yeah, it's, it's nice, nice to, to have. have. Yeah. And, you know, just uh, yeah, I was able to go on a, a gallery and lecture tour in Europe just a couple of weeks ago. And what impressed me there was the involvement that at least the people that I met in the Netherlands and in Belgium, the relationship that they had with art, it wasn't just a nice to have. It was important to connect with. Let you got to have it in life. Yeah. Right. Let alone. I mean, yes, some people wanted to buy prints, but it was really stunning to me that the relationship that people have with wanting to have art as part of their life's fabric. Yeah. That's so Not true. Just going to a gallery every once in a while. It's it's part of living. <laughs> yeah, that is how Americans do it. We just go to a gallery every once in a while. It's like, oh, I, I'm, I have a day off. Let me go and do something, you know. And you're like, oh, I'll go check out an art gallery. And then then after that, it's back to making money, you know. Yeah. And uh, of course, everybody has bills, but really, is is that the point? Yeah. Is that the bottom line of life? No. Yeah. That there. Well, okay. So this kind of, you know, just in looking at it and just in your personality and having talked to you a few times and then of course watching your movies and stuff like that, you, you are a larger than life personality. I mean, you have that and you mentioned in the about section of your, your website yeah. that that was sort of projection of self was sort of the name of the game. And you grew up, obviously you grew up in New York. 
Yeah. Um, And I wanted to talk about some of this a little bit as far as you you, you said you had these larger than life characters around you. And then, of course, in the Mormon church was also a big influence in your life. So any or all of these cultural influences, if you want to just riff on that for a minute. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, in New York, uh, you have full permission to be weird, like the anonymity here. Nobody's held accountable for doing anything embarrassing. Like even last night, I was I was doing embarrassing things in the streets, and and no one stops. No one, can, you know, a beat is not lost. <laughs> and so, I think it it showed me that I can get away with a lot, and uh, and nobody cares. So and also, you know, you do have to, you have to project that you're. Uh, worthy of hearing here or you don't get hurt at all yeah there's just so much noise and chatter and you know you you got to sort of cut above the chatter to be to be noticed to be heard um even when you're just ordering a cup of coffee in a diner you just like you gotta yell (laughs) and you have to you have to assert yourself nobody's waiting for your order um and and then i i learned that also in terms of working in television is, you know, you just gotta, (laughs) you gotta make the message shaped for the medium. You got to, you gotta project if you want to be heard. And um, you need to shape your message for the audience to to digest. So I realized, you know, from coming from a Mormon background, not only was it sort of the cultural expectation that, you know, the point of living was for your family and for God, but I also learned that, you know, I'm not sure how many people know that 19-year-old boys in the Mormon church are sent out on missions. And they're supposed to go around to various places on the globe and convert uh the the unconverted to the church. Now is that why is th- that's the, the the what I would call kids on bikes, right? Is that <laughs> <laughs> yes, wearing black ties and short sleeve shirts. Yeah, yeah. So that to me was also um, a message in what doesn't work. Uh, if you thump a Bible, people pretty much ignore you. You have to make it a relatable message. You have to make it so that they want to stop and listen. Um, so to me, being didactic was a no-go. Like, yeah. I, I know that you have to shape a message so that people want to receive it and are interested in what you're trying to say. So that kind of helped me get to the aesthetic of the project, which is like full-on technicolor, very um, normal, but sort of sci-fi, peculiar kind of Twilight Zone-ish. So there's this double layer of, you know, you can do a double take. Wait, that looks like a normal family, but wait a minute. No, it's not. Yeah. And, uh, and why are they wearing clothes from the 50s? I, I, I don't. Oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. Oh, so there's a double. Uh, I wanted to say double entendre, but a double layer of meaning and sort of takeaway for people if they're willing to look deeper into what it could mean. Yeah. And that to me was so much more effective than going, I think mm. women should be able to do whatever they want with their lives. That, that, you know? Yeah. You're, people yep. tone deaf for messaging like that. 
Yeah, you're not you're it's an indirect message, but at the same time, it, it's super direct. If it's a powerful one, the way you've exactly. carried it out, it's like, whoa, that just shocked me to my soul. Now I got to figure out what, the, what that means. Right. But, but that's the core of comedy, right? Yeah. It's all based on sharp truths. Yeah. Wrap it in comedy. People laugh and go, oh, oh, yeah. No, I get. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, that's why they always talk about the core of comedy being so dark, right? It's uh, it, exactly. It's all. It's it always criticism. hurts. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that for a second. Then comedy. So obviously, you tell me what college you where you studied again. I know you studied art through through college, and you told me yeah, the name. Yeah, I jumped around a lot. Yeah. So I went to CU Boulder. Okay. For a general degree in fine art, English, and communication, and then I realized, wow. Hmm. Can't get a job in that. So I guess I'll go be a graphic designer. And I went to Pratt Institute. Okay. And then and then I kept studying photography as an adult afterwards. Yeah. So and, and you make this comment about it, you know, the art world not not being that's taboo to to be funny. I didn't yeah. I guess I kind of knew that, but maybe I didn't really. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, to me to many in the art world, it has to be oh so serious mm-hmm. in order to be valuable and it, it, to me the the value in my work is getting across to people not necessarily in pleasing a gallerist or the art world to to carry my work to me the point of it is not just the sale of it or the standing in the art community but actual outcome Mm-hmm. Um, and and to really be able to connect in a way that when you see an aesthetically beautiful piece in a gallery, may not. Yeah. You can you can appreciate beauty and talent in artwork, but walk away unchanged. And to me, the point of my work was to take everything I got and make a point. And to to make that point clear and in a way that is just you have no choice in looking at it. You have to look at it. Yeah. And that to me was such a boon in being able to shoot in public and, and you know, like in London and in Paris and wherever I was, is I I stopped people dead in their tracks <laughs> when I was carrying a mannequin on my shoulders <laughs> and setting up these scenes. In front of big monuments, it's just like who the what the huh? And yeah, came over and and spoke to me, and then, and then they were like nodding yes, and oh, I get it, and then they would participate in a conversation. Like that stuff doesn't happen. Yeah, in a gallery. Yep, and that doesn't happen if you make it on in Photoshop. Yeah, right. So, Getting back to the whole Photoshop yeah. question. Yeah, to me that was a crime to to do it in a computer. It it needed to be real for all those contextual reasons, as well as sort of um, an ethical reason to make the point of of living out a reality that's false. So if I'd had done it all on a computer, yep. it wouldn't have the same. Yeah, you're actually mind. doing the thing you're commenting on, sort of. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the y- doing of it was part of the the work. Yeah. The point of the work. Well, and like you said, you get you you don't if the, okay so some of those those pieces that these these wonderful photographs that you take you blow them up you put them in a gallery so they sell whatever that's not still the ultimate payoff the ultimate payoff is whatever you got in the experience of making it and you made that comment there was a new york gallery show and i think it's in the movie 
I just I remember you specifically saying that you were that that people were treating it more like a museum than a gallery and that there was like this connection that you had and and, and the product ended up being a residue of that sort of experience. Right. So Right. It was just what's left over after the experience is done. Uh I mean it, it, to me the reward was in the doing of it and the connection of real people with me during and after mm -hmm. not having people come see my work in a new york gallery and go oh yeah mm -hmm. drink a glass of wine and leave i mean that's yep to me this is such a ripoff if that's all there was oh. Yeah, uh, you want them to walk away affected thinking about it. like it's basically what happened to me. It's just I'm, like, I'm going, holy shit. Now, how that and, and so for some reason and your mom even mentions this, too. For some reason, I think a lot of people, obviously not a lot. Like you said, it's universal. Probably everybody has some version of all of these feelings. But your mom points out in the movie, she says she's a woman with a message who knows how to deliver it. And I think that second part is the thing that's really shocking because that's hard that's so yeah. hard you know yeah you know i really didn't uh i didn't really hear that in the way that you just described but yeah thanks for pointing that out and it is essential to uh, the feedback that i got really if it wasn't as effective i don't know that i'd feel as uh rewarded yeah for having done it to me it's just i i get you know the the brooks the 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 bulk of the work was done between 2013 and 2016. Okay. And even now, I get notes and letters on social and email. People reach out to me telling me how much they appreciate the work and how it affected them and how they are changed by it. And to me, the fact that this is happening years later, I, I, can't, I can't expect better dividends. Yeah. On the return for any effort. Yeah. No one well, ever wrote to me about a commercial I made. <laughs> then once that commercial's done, it's done. That's it. It's done. And then people try to not pay attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> they try yeah. to tune it out. I find myself wondering every day, who the fuck still pays for commercials? Like, why? Why? I don't. I, I skip them as soon as I can. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one, skip. <laughs> you Unless know? they're forced down your yeah, throat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you, you, so that's the thing is I... I got all my skills from advertising and television and turned it into, I know how to get to people. Yeah. And I, it's not that I feel like I'm uniquely equipped. I think that's just, uh, it's an available way for people to get through as if they think about the viewer yep. as opposed to their self-expression. Is like, how is this going to get through to people Having that thought is what made this such a payoff for me and why I'm still charged up by it and, and why I still want to continue knowing what came from it. I mean, that's the thing. It's just being an artist or I don't even want to call it an artist because that's sometimes hard for people to use that term when they're not making their primary income from yeah, creative work. I can totally relate. I want to say just creatives. And that, that can mean music, that can be writing, that can be any kind of creative output. When you try to, to motivate yourself beyond earning a living with that talent, or not even with that talent, just earning a living versus doing your creative work, you go through all sorts of 
waves and and navigations with yourself of like how you feel in a particular moment given the response that you may or may not be getting from the outside world and the feedback that you need to continue mm-hmm. and really it is a conversation in your own mind about do i want to continue doing this because if you're lucky to get any feedback at all it comes in fits and spurts waves and, you said yesterday exactly yeah, yeah. Waves. and like i said you know this bulk of this happened seven years ago and i keep getting these connections with random strangers like yourself that keep me charged up yeah but if you don't have that what do you do and i really think that you you have to do it if you want to feel whole you have to keep producing work that isn't about commerce if you want to feel good, you just feel somehow something hurts if you're not. Yeah. I, you know, so this is all along that. How, how do you get to the bottom line of your life faster concept? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for you, it sounds like and I really want people to watch the the playing house again, the back and forth. Look at the pictures, watch the movie. But at the same time, for you, it happened in this. And actually, I don't want to say for sure, but it seems like at least on, based on the movie, it happened in this kind of your mom hits you with this tough question or or this comment. And you literally went out and, quote unquote, bought a family. You bought mm-hmm. a mannequin family. And then the way you tell it in the movie is hilarious. You're like, okay, mom, got a family now. <laughs> <laughs> now what? Been there, done that. Yeah. I, so, but that immediately put you on this track. I feel like it gave you something to say, even if you weren't fully aware of it, because I'm guessing this still had to develop and marinate over time. But, but it, I think a lot of artists, they have this creative sensibility but they aren't really sure at the core of themselves. And so, the, again, this is how do you get to that bottom line? What is it? How does it happen? Um, because you're right. That's the thing. If you don't find that, then you're just going to conform and and move on. You know, I guess life's a little easier like that. But you're going to like, you know, wake up at 60 or however old and go, what the fuck did I do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so your community makes a difference. Mm. Uh, Could be the uh, town you live in or the people you hang out with or both. Right, right. So there's different, it kind of changes over time. So, you know, an early group of friends I had around me encouraged me to keep it up. You know, I was doing holiday cards as a mean to sort of comment on how we all send out those (laughs) newsletters about how great our life is and sharing all the Uh fabulous stuff with our friends and family and sort of uh, telling the world that we're okay, we're established, everything's fine, everything's check, you know, in progress, we're great. Yep. So I kept doing that every year by sending out holiday cards with my family. And I expected, (laughs) you know, to get some, some pushback, you know, like, oh, how rude, or who do you think you are? But people were really, 
they love they, him. They got it. And yeah. They got it. They kept going. They're like, what are you doing next year? What are you doing for Easter? You should have a, you should have a, a, a July 4th card. You should do it all. Every, everyone. You now they're giving you ideas. Yeah. 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 So people got into it as much as I did and kept me on task. Wow. But, but as I got older, that kind of, you know, faded. And um, I, I think that having a community around you as you get older that still appreciates real creativity, not just, you know, doing a, a little sketch in your spare time that really that really lives a creative life. Having mm -hmm. people like that around you really helps you stay on track and um, it gives you the, the juice that you need to keep going. And it's challenging to do that without them. Um, you know, if you're if you're in a place that really doesn't have a lot of creative action going on, you're kind of in a class by yourself and you have to make your own party. Yeah. And as you get older and there's a lot of other variables in life that start weighing in, it's very easy to give this up. Yep. Oh, those were my younger days. I'm done with that now. Yep. <laughs> you see, I hear that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's it's heartbreaking. Honestly, it is heartbreaking because if you had it once, you really it's in there. Yep. And you're just you're just putting it to sleep over and over again, anesthetizing this little beast within that says, do something, do something. I know you got I want to, but I just come on, do something. And I yeah, I'm I am in that phase right now. I have ideas for my next project. But guess what I'm doing when we get off the horn here? I'm going to do some freelance work. Same I'm, here. Yeah. Same here. Hey. But I, the more the more feedback I get from people who were so charged up what I did for the first time, they, they're, they're kind of unforgiving. They're like, so so what's next? Yep. <laughs> well, so you it helps to have the community around you, but you got to do it for yourself if you don't have one. Yeah. And you think and so you were in Denver, but now you're back in New York. So New York obviously is the place for you, I guess. Uh oh. <laughs> I, mean, the, I don't know if I want to call it the place for me, but this is an, an environment in which a lot of other people are are living a creative life. And so I don't feel like I'm the odd man out, uh, all stuck out by myself. I feel like I'm running in a herd of other, okay. other people that are doing the same thing. And it's and it seems like a, a track that I, I'm like, yeah, you you got to fall in line and um, it's and creativity is respected here and it's it's seen as viable, not just decorative. Um, so I have a lot more around me in terms of stimulation and work I can go see. And, and you know, even theater to me is uh, very inspirational. Were you were you a theater actress? I'm just I got to ask. <laughs> No, uh, okay. maybe that's why I turned out this way. <laughs> but, um, people have said that to me uh, for a very long time. And now that I'm in New York, I, I did enroll in improv classes because okay. I, wanted to, I wanted to see what that part of me held. And I also wanted to stop doing operating within my comfort zone Okay, and to, to be with others who are doing the same thing. So the, the others part is really, it's really hard, but it's also 
a good growing pain for me who's used to controlling every single oh good point yeah that is something about acting is you're you now it's dependent on what everybody in the room's doing however many people there are right and there's no script so no script yeah wow yep yep lack of control like 10 times over but well, that's something I, I certainly, uh, and we can talk about this all later, but I definitely would love to to talk if that's even close to in your wheelhouse of something you'd want to do. I, I certainly want to talk about that more later too, because because film is what we do, and that and yeah. and improv films are are right in the wheelhouse of of where we kind of live most of the time. Right on. So we'll see. I'm down. I'm totally down for crazy shit like that. I, I, to me, that's that's the juice of life, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm totally shocked that you didn't that you you remind me of so many of my favorite like trained actresses that that, really? that would yeah yeah just the the way that you even tell any story like the any any story is gonna be a little bit better because <laughs> you know what I. <laughs> So you're going to do the you'll do the voice you'll do the voice but the part in the movie where you're sitting out there which is so ballsy too I, I just love it when you're sitting out there and I don't know I think it's like panhandling in 2036 this is oh, yeah. you're like it's not my fault nobody buys art and you just you're <laughs> they, they just look Mary Mary you're a mess <laughs> <laughs> and these people are just walking past you. They're like, good yeah. God, she's just acting right here, you know? Well, that's the thing, you know, it's when you let yourself off your leash, what do you do? Yeah. And and to me, having a camera pointed at me is the the release mechanism for my leash. Like, <laughs> it's letting the dog run in the park. It's, yep. uh, uh, it's not so much, I, I really, I don't know, maybe I haven't thought deeply enough about it, but I don't mind being watched, but improv in public to me is such a, a feedback loop that I, I really, I, maybe this is what, what you recognize in being an actor is a feedback loop of coming back at you from people seeing you is, yeah. is so, um, I don't know, freeing. Yeah. Unless you get away with murder. I don't, and it's so different um like being in a controlled circumstance like sitting in a corporate zoom meeting mm. <laughs> that is like the penultimate in restraint yeah to me. <laughs> uh, yeah you just stay on mute as long as possible <laughs> <laughs> in fact if i can turn my video off i'm going to do that too <laughs> you know? yeah no but, true but I think that's kind of what what powers the drive is like having to be in a little box makes it oh so much more important to get outside that box and do what you know turn the volume to 11 go as far as you can yeah you know it's so crazy you just used the term so my wife and i got we were on this road trip in 2020 and we ended up just caught we had i'd heard the song before but i don't think she had little boxes does this ring a bell oh yeah, yeah. and she immediately heard it and was like taken we listened to that thing the whole time we ended up doing a whole podcast on it because our lives haven't you know obviously been different too and so uh while we while we are married nothing has gone sort of as planned Mm -hmm. and so that that whole theme is big and i can obviously you know probably big reason why we connected with with your story too 
Um, all right. One thing, you know, and this is just kind of me jumping all over the place, but there was a moment. OK, and this kind of feel, feels like it's appropriate now to, to talk about. Um, and if not, I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, there was a moment in the movie you did this Japanese TV show. Oh, yeah. And you said at some point, I guess in there, you just naturally stopped smiling. Was that the deal? Yeah. What happened? So for your listeners, I just want to explain that the first phase in the project, it was me performing sort of the postcard perfect life with a big fat grin on. Yeah. And and just sort of saying with that grin, like it couldn't possibly get any better tongue in cheek. And as this project picked up speed in the press and I started getting um, outreach from international uh, media agencies, um, I started doing things to get press because I thought it would ultimately help me um, earn a name and therefore uh, the ability to do whatever I wanted. You know, like yeah. live my life as a full creative without having to work a day job and I just was like I need to press I'll do whatever and and I'm going to make work to to attract attention so I let the dog wag my tail if that's yeah potential metaphor and and so the 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 most uh glaring example of that was when I was sort of roped into um doing a, a Japanese TV show that I really didn't understand what the content was. It was really more of mockery than it was a, a human interest story. Mm -hmm. And they wanted their uh, host to participate in one of my photographs as we were shooting it. So we went to a grocery store and um, had the host who was female dress up as a fellow parent with a fellow mannequin child. And instead of leaning into what I think they thought they were going to get out of me, which is this goofy, crazy American lady, mm -hmm. I found myself like, this is so not funny. And this is so not what I plan to do with this work. And I just couldn't, I, I couldn't smile. I couldn't see the, I, it was not funny. It was, I couldn't see the humor in it. And I couldn't keep pretending to do the same shtick. So wow. that that one, I was just like, I was literally thinking, fuck this shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and can't and, smile through that. Yeah. Right. And I was like, you know, I'm I'm a dancing bear for these people. Yep. And and then I got absolutely nothing out of the coverage either. And so that was sort of a, a, an about face for me, like. This thing's getting out of hand. It is not what I intended it to be. I'm starting to become a traitor to my own work. Like the integrity is going down the I see. hoop shoot. Mm -hmm. Well, and they threw another person in there. That's not how, like, yeah, just that was by the host. Yeah. Yeah. That's not ever, that had never, I haven't seen anything. I, mean, I guess I remember that, but like, that's not the whole thing. You don't, you're the real person and then there's mannequins. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, mean, that, I, I had I, I wrote it off in that and I thought it was like, OK, so I guess with another person in there, I'm saying it's more universal. OK, OK. So you had kind of you justified that part. OK. Yeah, I justified that part. It made for a very interesting photograph, but it was really, good. Yeah. 
it, it, but it was a symbol of like I'm losing control here, mm. I, and I'm not. I'm I'm letting it happen. I'm pushing for it to happen actually, and so I, I just sort of. I don't want to say I got depressed, but I was like, I was not enjoying myself anymore. Well, would you say, because when we were talking before, we were talking about like when something hits, because this whole thing went viral and obviously that was not something that you could plan for. Who can plan for that? But like when that happens, I guess, I don't know. It seems like there was a couple of pressures that we we went through. One of them is the pressure to keep up with with doing stuff once you've got the attention now. Mm-hmm. And then the other is sort of like you better because and I maybe I'm saying that wrong. You correct me, but uh, you better because it it will end. And then the, when the, right. then then the fair mar- the fair weather market artists, whatever the people they that jump on board when it's popular, those people are now silent. You know, right. So is that kind of how that went? Absolutely. Um, And then I was sort of left with, you know, hearing the sound of crickets. And uh, after having that much attention, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was 24 seven. I was literally catching a couple hours of sleep, getting up and doing interviews, uh, doing social posts, doing work, doing another interview. Like I did not stop. And I was also holding down a full time job at the same time. Yeah. So to go from 100 miles an hour to zero, it, it blows your mind. And I, I, over, I don't know, I want to say I overreacted, but I reacted saying that, you know, how stupid could I be? And that I thought that this was going to work. How, how could I be that dumb? They took me. They took me for all I was worth. And now I'm just old news. And I fed into this thinking that, you know, this is going to be my life. I'm going to be a famous artist. Like, yeah, <laughs> how stupid could I be? And and it was fairer at the time because that was my perspective. But now that I've got more distance behind me, I'm like, I'm thrilled that it all happened. And I'm. Uh, it was a huge learning for me to understand the reason why to do the work is not to get the media hype. Yep. It's nice. It really is great when people tell you how much they love your work. But the reason to do it is because you need to and you want to and you're not right without it. Not to get to become a media darling. And that is just a media darling is just you, you're waiting for the, the rug to be pulled out underneath. you. You're waiting for the floor to collapse. It's just going to end. Because you can't. Right. That's not sustainable, I guess. It's not sustainable. And it really, it's a little heartbreaking. Not a little, it's a lot heartbreaking when the call, the phone doesn't ring anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's why I thought the, the having the documentary film made was going to help others understand the journey. And so I was willing to let another person tell my story to help it be a little bit more objective. Yep. And to and to get the the journey out there instead of just the work. Now, and it's and it's, we don't have to talk about this uh, at length or anything, but there was something there that, that when we talked before, you were like that that maybe didn't um, strike the same way that you had hoped or the way that you at least the way you thought, right? 
And again, right. I'm not asking you to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. So if, no, if no, it's something, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, since I had been in television my whole life, I had friends who were, uh, you know, cinematographers and audio engineers and, you know, everybody in production. And they all helped me throughout the project, including my own boyfriend. You know, if when they weren't around, we were always shooting everything I was doing. And so I had this vast library of footage. I had made some short films with it, yep. But um, an, another uh, two filmmakers wanted to license my footage and also shoot some of their own interviews and uh, behind the scenes stuff of me working and create their own film. And um, it was really funny how it happened. Um, I, I met this filmmaker at uh, a women in film conference where I was uh, debuting my first uh, short film. And she said, um, she's British. And she said, uh, I understand that you uh, <laughs> make films and photographs starring yourself and you produce them <laughs> yourself and direct them yourself. <laughs> what do you think about letting someone else take a crack at it? <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez Louise. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, th I thought that was so funny. And so that is funny. Me. She had me at go. And so I was like, yeah, I think it would be good to let someone else take a crack at it so that it would be a little bit more um, of the whole story rather than just my perspective. Yeah, yeah. Which makes perfect and, sense from your end to me. Yeah, yeah, but I also didn't realize that, I, you know, I had such a strong opinion of my own truth that anybody else's crack at it wouldn't be what I considered the real truth. Yeah. And um, it was very hard for me to surrender the reins on what I thought was really going on and to let another filmmaker have creative control, edit control over my life. Mm -hmm. So uh, to me, it was like, uh, it was, it was, it was frustrating and it was not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't have such a healthy attitude at the time. I was, it was kind of like uh, frustrated that someone was taking my stuff and shaping their own story out of it. And it's, well, it's and I, I guess to some degree, obviously that's true. Um, but I, it's weird because in me watching it before I ever got the chance to speak with you, I, first of all, the film's good. I, I, I really like the film, but I definitely see what you're saying now, having seen your the shorts that you made, the playing house version. And then of course, having talked to you, I, I can see what you, I, I can sort of see both sides of that. Um, and I guess part of it is the, the creative in all of us sort of wants that control to, to some, right. sometimes, you know, to without, sometimes without uh, always needing it, we, we feel we need it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah, as a, as a maker, as a creator, like I'm so used to shaping what it is. That yeah. to just surrender your work to someone else and let them shape what it is automatically feels like ho to ho to hold up. Yeah. And and, you know, as a creator themselves, as creators themselves, they need their own creative license. But to me, it was it turned into a hero story rather than a this is what it's like for a creative. It yeah. Turned it into a feminist story. Which I guess on some levels it is. Yeah. I don't 
I don't identify as, you know, a, a, a radical feminist. I'm a feminist, but I'm not knocking on the door of Congress saying we got to change this. I'm, I, I took my personal experience as a woman and I talked about the inherent bullshit that comes with the role. But I think everyone has that uh, issue that they face. It's just that happened to be the way it played out for me. No, like, no matter who you are, someone's saying you're not doing it right. Yeah. Someone, no matter how much success you have, there's always something else that you need to be doing. And when well-meaning people ask you about what are you doing next, you're like, but wait, I just spent a lifetime doing what I did. Isn't that good enough? Right. Well, yeah, by definition of your very, the way, the path that you've chosen in life, obviously you're a feminist, but, or whatever, you're, I don't even know what to call it. You're empowered. Just put it mm -hmm. that way because you empowered yourself. Yeah. And essentially it seems to me that you've taken whatever the hell you didn't, you didn't step in and say, you know what, I, I'm going to. I'm going to do what everyone else does. I'm going to do it because that's what whatever the Mormon church taught me. That's what my society teaches me. I think by definition of that, you're clearly a quote unquote feminist. But yeah, I didn't realize. And now that you're saying it, I do see it. But I didn't realize that that was a bit of a hang up. And obviously they did paint it that way in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's falls under the women in film category in distribution deals. You know, it's it is uh, a channel that I think the filmmakers occupied, but I didn't necessarily feel that it was purely a female story. I thought it was just- Human story. A human story. And, sh and also somebody having the balls to sit down and tell the truth mm -hmm. and to make sure it got done. Yep. As opposed to giving up. Yeah, that, that, that is, and that's so clear too, because you mentioned being a late bloomer, but people, like you said yesterday, they, they think of it as like, you know, a lot of creatives, it's like, how can you dig in for the full journey? Because most people try it. If they fail enough times, then it's, you, again, you quit, you jump into the, your own little box and you move on down that path. Yeah. But in your case, that's not been the thing. And so you've defined yourself a late bloomer. I'm not even sure. I'm sure you were creative from the time you were little. But as far as late bloomer, what did you mean by that? Knowing what I had, knowing that I could do something. Okay. Doing something. I, I always thought it had to be, you know, well, I'm creative. Well, uh, I can't, I can't do math and I'm not really good at law. So I guess I'm going to be a creative director. Yeah. I think that to me is not a reason to be creative and then just sit down and make advertising the rest of your life. Like to me, it was, I have this amazing power to connect with people. Yes, I do it for media corporations, mm -hmm. but I can do, I can take this power and do something more truthful and more real than I've ever been asked to do. Like the sky's the limit if I let myself do it. And if I don't, I've just shut down my own best qualities and my own voice because I just don't think it's practical. Yeah. I don't want to like I don't want to have to face myself. Well, like you said earlier, it's committing a crime against yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it just feels you feel like dirt. You just feel like achy, like something's not right and 
It's like a dog who wants to go out for a walk. You know, let me out, let me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and you wait all day for that walk, and you're like, shit. <laughs> if they skip on it, you're like, damn it, what the hell? You know. Yeah. Well, it's, it is the hardest thing I think you can do, and I think it's 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 only for those that I think have the integrity to 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 see it through. The self integrity. It's not integrity to anybody else. It's just like I got to do this. Mm-hmm. I got to do this, or it's I just wasted my life, my capacity. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm so sorry that I can't trade my goods for for enough to pay a New York rent. Mm-hmm. But I, I also am so sorry that I am just born this way. It is the best way I can take what I have and live my my best life. Yeah. Disappointment stinks. It really does. It's just giving up stinks. Yeah, you have I to think bury it somehow. Yeah, that's the well, and, and and I mean that's why it strikes on such you know any any creative person's gonna know exactly. Well, actually, anybody can relate to what you're talking about, but creative people are gonna relate on two different levels um, because uh, while the playing house thing re- resonates with with anybody who does it on a daily basis the that tug between um doing something about that baggage and actually using it to create something you know most of us i don't know i find times and i I go through it where i'm like man i'm a consumer i've been a consumer for a month i've consumed netflix i've consumed amazon i ate Mm. potato chips i got (laughs) drunk i'm just a consumer i when am i gonna put something back out there you know what i mean Mm. and it's and I think, you know, that's the struggle is you got, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I just know that, like you said, there's waves. And when you mm-hmm. catch the crest of one of those good ones, man, ride that fucker and let it carry you to the, through the valley to the next one, you know? Right. Right. I, that's the thing is it's, it's manic. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't feel healthy, but it is. It's just yeah. how, it's just how this thing rolls. Uh, I think. I really think that life in general's like that. You ever notice that when it rains, it pours, mm-hmm. and that comes in terms of good things and bad things. Uh, but why would creativity work any different? I I really think that um, you just gotta check in with yourself and and use your smellometer to smell bullshit when you're talking to yourself. Like, well. Am I making excuses? Yeah, I think I'm making excuses. Yeah. Well, what can I do to not, what can I, what little thing can I do to just progress a little bit to start the snowball rolling? Yeah. It really is a snowball. You don't just sit down and do. Yeah. And even the creating of stuff, especially if you're doing it in the moonlighting version, it, mm-hmm. it's going to take time. But if you can just make, move the needle a little bit each day, right? Right. Oh my God, let me tell you this story that just recently happened. Okay, so I'm asked to go on this uh, gallery and lecture tour in Europe and I'm sitting down trying to put together a media presentation of, you know, the stuff that I'm going to show behind me as I'm talking. And I have hard drive upon hard drive upon hard drive of work that I've accumulated and never quite gone through and (laughs) organized and... Me too. I, I see what a shit show my work has, my work, what would you call it, process has been. It's been all in a, like a fit in a spurt. 
and I got to get this done by tomorrow and I have to have this up by blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. every, shit's everywhere and, and it's a mess. And there's, I, don't, I can't even count how many gigs of data it is. And I, I, I had sort of a, I don't know, what would you call it? A, a eureka moment where I'm like, this is how, this is the accumulation of all my work and all my days. It's profound. It's huge. And it's just on 10 little hard drives. Yeah. And what if I had just hard drives that failed or, you know, got lost in a fire and I hadn't shared this? What if I had done all this work and it was dying with me? Nobody knew about it. That's a scary fucking thought. I was just so profoundly affected that uh, uh, the amount of work and the amount of time and how I used it. It was just such a, you know, life flashing before your eyes kind of moment. Like, mm-hmm. it did it you put like, it on Dropbox or something? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, I got a little teary. I was just like, this is how I spent my life. And I was, I was proud, but I was also deeply affected by how much time has passed. Like, this is 20 years of work. I am now in my 50s. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It's also incredible that we've been digital for that long, too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And so I had converted stuff, too. Oh, yeah. You know, gone from gone from old drive that no longer runs on my Mac. I, I dumped it into these new, you know, big 10 terabyte drives. So that was even more condensed. God, it it really was a measurement of how I spent my life, and I and I got it in one sit down at my computer. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's the, it's like the ultimate journal, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I tell you, I, I anybody listening, it is so worth it. Yeah, it was a ton of work, and I just I think about. What would I have done if all that work was just for a corporation? Oh, shit. Yeah. You wouldn't have that for damn sure. And no. you wouldn't even probably even care to have it. If, if even if they gave it to you, you'd probably be like, all right, yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah, you know? no, I mean, for most of the part, you know, the work I've done in the past, I kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, God, how embarrassing. <laughs> oh, I could I could do so much better now. Uh, it's It's not work that you take to the grave with you. It is not. It's yeah. just transactional. It's gone. It's evaporated. But this work comes back to me in in the words of people who reach out to me. And it's just so profoundly valuable. Yeah, that's the definition of, uh, you know, I always think of it that way, too. When I'm doing a creative piece that 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 is really coming from some place of passion or whatever, mm-hmm. I always think of it as like, man, this is how you make something that will outlive you. Whether anybody cares right now or not, you know, somebody will, somebody who loves me, right. <laughs> even if it's only one person, will will want this when I'm gone. You know, they're not going to want the commercial that I shot for whatever, you know, it's like, right. so. I mean, in film work, it's it's even harder because you're anonymous. Yeah. And you do... The, the the amount of work you do is vast. So it's really hard to see specific return on an individual film. Uh, but you just got to understand it's your output. 
and the accumulation of your work over a lifetime. You can't measure it in, well, this year I didn't sell anything or this year I didn't make anything. It's just, a, it's not a life sentence, it's a life gift. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't come out evenly. Yeah. It is all it, up and down, all over the board. And it's a mess emotionally, but I swear to God, it is, it is certainly at least my reason for living. Yeah. Well, and you just, I mean, you literally, because when we talked in whatever it was, March, this is before your trip to the Netherlands mm -hmm. and to Belgium, um, I could tell, I could sense a difference in the way yeah. that you felt for sure. You definitely seem more energized now after mm -hmm. having done that. That's the feedback loop. Like, so I got to speak to budding artists. What would you call it? Some, some kids in an art, uh, a practical arts high school as well as speaking at the Royal Academy of Art to the photography group there in The Hague, in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. um, so kids who are just learning how to use the tools but don't really know what they can do with it. And they're learning it in terms of a, a trade rather than- Yeah, like mechanics. Art. Right. Yeah. And then accomplished photographers at the, the Royal Academy and also having the perspective of adults in the other two two lectures that I had, that the way that I saw the faces of the high school kids light up, the 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 questions that I got from the students at the Academy of Art, to me it was just like, oh my God, I I am doing such good work for these people so that they can see what can be done with a lifetime investment in this. Yeah. Just in one example of, of someone who's lived this over a lifetime and for them to be able to see that bottom line, I think gave them yeah. a literacy as to what it feels like to be an artist over a lifetime and what the payoff is. Man, that is huge. That is, that, I've, I feel like that I, I had a moment similar to that when I was leaving L.A. and I was going to, you know, we, it's always a balance, this struggle between time and money. I was living there as an as a struggling actor, so I would not really have any regular job because I had to be available to audition. So I didn't have any money. I had time, had no money, <laughs> you know, but then I was like, you know what, maybe I just need to do this so that I can actually have a little money. I'll, I'll worry about the time later. Well, then once I started teaching, I, yeah, fine. I had enough money to live. I was living fine, my wife and I, but, but now I got no time. And I remember when I left LA to even do that, I had an actor friend and she said, what are you going to go to Austin do? You know? And I was like, well, I'm going to eventually make my own movies. And, and in her, she had, you know, come from theater background. She was, she was, I mean, actor through and through, you know, and she was going to, she's going to do that the rest of her life for better or worse, however painful, whatever it is. And she was like, you're going to go there and make your own movies. <laughs> so you're going to get a job, but you're going to make your own movie. And it was like, she's picking apart what, you know, I'm mm -hmm. like, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm starting to see. And she's like, and besides that, do you really have that much to say? Oh, <laughs> you know, and I was just floored, you know, but I, I never forgot that 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 that's part of it, too, is if you're going to do this long, that a big part of it is also having enough in you. And we all have something to say. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. But finding it, like you said, you know, and using that as your 
bottom line, whatever that is, you know, I don't know, just it, that all is so, so important. And for you to be able to get the chance to see that light up in some somebody's eyes who's on the beginning of that curve is so cool. Yeah. It was it was awesome. I mean, uh, I, I really hadn't thought of the impact on other creatives that are just starting. I really didn't factor that into how I thought about the project until the value of the project until I came back from Europe. I was just like, oh, God. Yeah. That, that component is really, really valuable. Just, yep. You got to see it to be it. Like I, I remember seeing work of other photographers when I was in high school and early college and, and I knew it. I was like, that's the shit, man. I got to do that. Mm-hmm. That is about as good a human being as you can be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I don't know how, but I'm just going to, I don't know. That's that's the thing. And I knew it when I saw it. And, and I think that's also really helpful <clears throat> for people to see a live example of it, not just the work. Yeah. To have yeah. somebody in front of your face that you can ask questions of. Oh, that that's why I love film festivals. It's so, yeah. it's so cool because when they're standing right there and you're like still high from whatever it is you saw, yeah. I mean, assuming you liked it, then you, then you get to ask, you get to talk to them right there, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's amazing. All right. So, on, and this maybe is shifting a little bit, but I just, I have to talk about this because, and, and I'm going to tell anybody that I, that gets to hear this or whatever, they got to see Playing House, which by the way, is there a reason why the part one of Playing House is uh, still password protected? Is there, are you submitting that or something? I was, so I produced those under duress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Both films I was, I produced while I was on medical leave okay. <laughs> from, from work. Um, and I did not feel I, I cut them to the, the potential of the material. So I wanted to recut oh, okay. those films into one. And I didn't want to have officially released oh, okay. as as a uh, available publicly. Oh, okay. That makes perfect sense. I actually wondered when I watched the second part, I wondered why I was thinking that it could be certainly a part of the first. Um, right. But they okay. happened in separate chunks and yep. separate, separate due dates, separate film festivals. Um, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, um, I really had wanted to go back and fill in a lot of the story that was uh, contextual that d- didn't happen re- right then and there. Mm-hmm. So I think I got... And needs it needs to be redone in my opinion, but um, well, <laughs> the the documentary got made in the meantime. Yeah, and I'm like, hmm, am I covering the same ground? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think I to me, I felt like every your your sort of why piece is much more clear in your version than in the doc- mm. doc- documentary is su- sufficient in the, the idea that I could kind of grab, you know, because there was enough of you talking about these same themes and concepts over and over that I, that I was able to piece it together. Mm-hmm. But I loved the way that this one marched through and you, and, and you make this comment of we play house as a way of imagining what we're supposed to be. Right. And, that's what we do as little kids. But you, you know, you're saying, no, I'm a grown up and I'm doing that still. And I don't know the way you went through it. And I'm sure you took a lot of time to organize that voiceover. So you, yesterday you acted like you were kind of wishing that it wasn't voiceover. I thought it worked. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. I thought it worked. Cause I, That's I, good. Yeah. I thought it felt less genuine than if you saw that role play out in video. Having me narrated, I thought... Well, like, yeah, I, I like you said earlier, there's, you know, anytime you have an idea to do something, there's a bunch of ways to do it. The, yeah. But but the way that the way that that came through, I was able to really follow the images and just having your voice okay. kind of leading it along was also because I mean, look, it's it is it for for what you're doing. I, I, I mean, look, nobody owes anybody any explanation for sure, but I was happy to have it. It, it, mm. to put it that way mm. okay there was a lot of aha moments in that where i was like oh no shit yeah uh, and and then just your description of i mean i was floored when you left your husband in paris <laughs> chauncey so much fun <laughs> oh my god how what what like were you sad about it at all i had no, to be not no at not at all <laughs> oh my god he was a prop to me okay yeah yeah that is yeah. so crazy, though, because, I mean, obviously he's a mannequin. <laughs> yeah, and he weighs like 75 pounds. He's really awkward. And he falls over all the time. It was a bitch. It was oh, a real bitch. It man. was exhausting. Like, the whole trip, I felt like I should be having fun in Paris. And no, I was suffering from... Lugging, <laughs> lugging your husband around. Yeah. Yeah. And then you 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 also gave the way it was so clear with what you said. You're like, he's no, I'm cutting loose of all the things he stood for, which is yeah. what. And you know what? He, all he did, he sat down in the basement for most for 70 percent of the time, which is pretty much what husbands do. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was dying. <laughs> so I guess. Well, and then I won't. It, it sounds like I won't share the links for this just yet. You're going to be reworking with it and then we can. Oh, uh, you don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer. It, it kind of depends on film festival rules. Yeah. I think it has to be like 60% recut to consider a new material. Okay. Okay. It, well, has, it has yet to be decided. Let's just leave it that. <laughs> okay. Well, it was fantastic. And yeah, if you change your mind on any of that, just let me know and I'll send that link out too. Okay. Uh, but for now, I'll just leave it as is because it does have that, that password. Okay. Um, Man, wow. We, uh, and we've jumped around, covered yeah. pretty much everything I'd thought about. But, you know, um, I, th I think there's still one little piece that, you know, that, that's so prevalent. It stood out right away in the the, the project that, you, you know, this this these images that you've created about. And everybody talks about it now because we're also prevalent or it's so prevalent for us to look at Instagram or scroll through Instagram and and we see other people having more fun than us mm -hmm. because that, that's been edited as such. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we talked about this the first time, but what do you, what, you know, what's the price of editing our lives? Because it takes this, you, you mentioned that it takes a lot of work to filter, you know, so what do you, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so there's something that I think a lot of people joke about, uh, but it's also true, is if it didn't happen on Instagram, it didn't happen at all. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's so messy because uh, we all want feedback. We do. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it is, uh, helps us be myopic. It helps us turn inward and sort of become this Escher-esque, um, like we fold in upon our own egos and we kind of lose ourselves in the process. Like when you are, when who you are is dependent on 
how you appear to others, it's changing who you are. It's mm. changing how you receive your life, how you live your life. If you're living so that you can record a moment and look at it later, you've just missed the moment. <laughs> and you're making the moment all about how it looks instead of how it feels. Yeah. Wow, what a miss. Big time. I mean, I, I've done this, you know. I'm guilty. Go to Tahiti yeah. and you take all these photos and you're like, I don't remember that. That's a good thing we got a picture. I don't remember. <laughs> you're like, shit, it's I could have Googled. paying attention. Yeah, I could have looked at it on Google Images. <laughs> right? And it's yeah. not about the picture, yet everything about how we live through our phones is how we get who we are shared through digital means. What about the good old fashioned analog and speaking to people and and remembering the times that you have without it having to happen on Instagram. And that's really not just, doesn't fall in line with just Instagram. It is really how we decide how we live our life. Is it for what we think is gonna be the outcome that, that everybody seems to approve on? They're like, okay, great. I. I went to college and I'm a huge success, but I don't feel it. That yeah. is sort of living for an external moment. And it's, you lose your life that way. You just all of a sudden you just filled a role and it really wasn't your idea. You're just kind of doing what it takes yeah. to succeed. And why don't you feel good? Why is stuff not working? Why does it feel not great? I, keep, I don't want to brag, uh, like uh, creatives are special and we're gifted and we're so above that. We too do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in a different way. And, and, and when you show your work to others and you feel you need to change it so that it will be received yeah. in a way that's more successful. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's like self-talk really is at the core of everything and how you really need to check in and, and understand why you're doing what you're doing. And are you doing this for a reason that you feel has integrity or do you feel that you're doing it just because it's gonna, it's gonna work better for others that way? And it's gonna, like how I ended up going on Japanese television. Did I do that because the work needed it? I did it because I, I thought I needed to get on Japanese television to, to grow my reach. Yeah, and bringing into the creative moonlighting or whatever, you know. I, yeah, that that's yeah. One, that that that. I mean, and I look, I, I would have done exactly the same thing. There's no two ways about it. Anything that that I thought, if I thought it was is this is going to equal a transition into doing this full time all the time, mm -hmm. of course, why wouldn't you know? But yeah, I, that's but such a. I had to. I had to like uh, call my own bullshit, and, and I. I just knew that I was on my way to closing the project. I couldn't just like stop. But, how how uh, long was it after that that you closed the project? Three years. Okay. And I only shot, I think, four images in all that time. Okay. So you pretty much effectively stopped it after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, to me, it was busted. Like the whole thing. <laughs> did I catch, did you do more? Did you do one again recently though? Was there something on Instagram or was that just an, an older project, an older image that you posted new? Maybe I don't know. Older. Okay. Last image in the series I took in 2019. Okay. And I, that I knew, I just knew that I had to kill the project for my own integrity and, and for the integrity of the work. Like I didn't want to be a 
complete one man band my whole life and just one yeah. trick pony is what I meant really. Yeah, um, yeah. I just was like, I, I don't want to kill the family. I don't want to be obvious about it. I don't want to be gratuitous. <laughs> she murders the family. <laughs> or have a divorce or something stupid yeah. like that. It, it was, I left it as a moment of transition and choosing to leave something behind. Yeah. So I left them at a gas station and, and took a oh. photograph of them. Oh, you did leave them at a gas station. Well, not physically, but uh, okay. that, was the, that was the scene. I was that was the, the scene behind. Okay, okay. So I, I had the, the the big family Volks not Volkswagen a, a station wagon at the gas pump, and Mary Margaret was in the car, and Chauncey was pumping the gas, looking towards me as I was walking off and getting into another car. Okay. And now, and that to me was just like it's a moment of transition, this moment of choice of leaving this baggage behind and 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 um i meant that in multiple ways not just the the family role sense i meant the whole project i meant i meant when do you stop letting the dog wag the tail or the tail wag the dog's tail wag the dog yeah um okay so that 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 was you ended the storyline but you kept you didn't literally leave the mannequins there on the oh shoot drop that um, no those were the original mannequins the only ones i had left i had already deserted the, the oh. duplicates that i'd made <laughs> so, okay i was gonna say uh, yeah because chauncey really did get left right physically yeah yeah so i i made copies i had the original molded um by the mannequin manufacturer who made the original and uh and then I sent those around the world because God forbid I lost the original. I'd have right. left to work with. Right. That's yeah. Good thought. I wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. So it, they, we made them into different body shapes and stances that made it easier for me to do different scenes with them rather than just always have them in the one position. So. Oh, for sure. You, well, when you had them on your shoulders, I was like, oh, shit, he bends like that. Yeah, no, <laughs> that was that was a different model. But um, the. The joy in deserting them was like, I didn't need to spend money to bring them home. And I really was so, it was like those, those shoots were exhausting. And I was so happy to just leave them behind and sort of cathartically dump the, the, the stress and the anxiety that came with the shooting like that. And uh, it was just such a great, it was like my own Burning Man festival. Yeah. And I, I learned to dump them in public places and leave a hashtag where's Chauncey on on the mannequin so that people would take photographs and and post their own images with what was left of my artwork. And so it took on a new life. I thought that was kind of fun. Oh, that's awesome. So actually, you just mentioned I, because I had this thought uh, when I first saw your stuff, I was like, I wonder if she's ever done an installation at Burning Man. Ha have you been? <laughs> no, neither. Yeah. I want to go. But I yeah. Know, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because you see you see these kind of wild things like that, or, you know, um, but people letting themselves off the leash. Right. Exactly. And for like two weeks too. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I. It's I, I. don't know. It's it's a it's a bucket list item. Same me. here. Yeah, same here. Um, okay, so normally, and this is something my wife set up. It's like at the end of because she does you know teacher training. She has trained, so it's like when she wraps things up, she's always like, "All right, if you walk away with nothing else from this two to three to four hour thing, what 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 were the things that we can take away?" Um, 
I, I, if I'm going to put you on the spot, but you can totally decline. I wrote down some things, so I kind of cheated. Okay. Um, if you, uh, yeah, okay, I'll go, I'll go first then. That's fine. Okay. Um, and I actually were down four. I typically do three, but you, you made this comment earlier about not being didactic to send a message. Mm-hmm. And I think that is for creatives. That's almost, that, that almost could be considered step one. Like, yeah, you know, if, if you're not willing to go beyond just trying to just say it directly to somebody, then you're probably not going to be that creative, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, two was, uh, using your creativity as sort of a life payoff. And you mentioned that yesterday a bit, but it was, you know, saying that it's much harder to do long-term than just to make a living. You know, it means choosing to do something that feeds, feeds your soul, even if, you know, it doesn't feed your bank account at times. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, and I added this piece, but I always think of it, passion is painful. I mean, that, that's what it is. And, but you have to keep. Stuff don't come for free. Right, right. (laughs) So, um, get to that bottom line and figure out what that bottom line is and keep creating no matter what. And don't do it just to become a media darling, like you said. So those are my big things. Yeah, that's that's a good summary of, of what I think the value to my story is for other creatives is like, uh, it's a mess. It's not linear. Um, there's a lot of two steps forward, one step back. And mm. you can't lose heart in the middle. Of like it's not working. I give up. Yeah. Um. It's it really is for life. If if it's the real thing, and you're not doing it just to sort of uh, as entertainment, as creative entertainment. If you're doing this for the real reason that people are creative, it's because it's your life force. It's the thing you got. It's uh It's a crime to live your life without it. You you really have to uh, understand that it's supposed to be. A shit show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's beautiful. It is so true. <laughs> and, and and there are times where you go, why do I engage in this shit show? Right. And all yeah. your friends are like, why are you doing this? Why don't yeah. you just, you know, you need to take care of yourself. She's like, stop with this craziness. <laughs> Can't you just be normal? Yeah, is it so hard? Yeah, can you try? So, and and then you internalize that, and you're like, wait a minute, this is imbalanced. What am I doing? I, uh, uh," you know, you just, it is all internal dialogue, and you just have to sit there and go. You just got to know that the bottom line of this is worth it. It's worth it, even though you're going to sit there and and self chastise and say, what are you doing this for? I'm not making any money. It's killing me. I don't know. I, I'm losing relationships. Like I lost a lot of friendships because I demanded too much of people to help me. They with, weren't in it with projects or with pro- these yeah. projects. Yeah, I mean, like uh, it was demanding a lot, and I didn't know that I, I was pushing myself beyond all human limits. I, I just thought it's like what you do to get things done. Yeah, press timeline. And so people are like, I'm, I'm sorry, Suze, I'm just done. I can't. <laughs> oh, shit. They broke. <laughs> right? But the, ultimately, they came around and they, they saw what happened with the work. And I think they understand that you have to go beyond normal limits to get a body of work done. You just can't stop when it just is 
Yeah. Where normal people stop. I just, if I it was easy, everybody would do it. People stop. Yeah. 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 I mean, truly, if it was, if it was that easy, everybody would do it, you know? And, and that's kind of like, you know, you look at, you see once people are, you know, even in positions like the one you were just in where people are gathering in rooms to listen, to hear your story and, you know, like what I'm doing right now, interviewing, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like most of us, especially if you don't live on that creative path kind of thing. Um, it's like we're hardwired for the story of we want to know the story of the creatives <laughs> and how they got there. But, you know, it, it, we romanticize it in so many ways. You know, anybody living that creative journey knows that it's not, it's it's not this romantic thing all the time, you know? Right. Right. And even the film watching me suffer a little bit, it, it's nicely wrapped in a little 60 minute yeah. Uh, beginning, middle and end with a conclusion. And it all seems really tidy. Yep. You know, my mother told me a long time ago that life is like a movie with all the crappy stuff still left in. Yes, that is. I got to keep that in mind when making movies, too, because <laughs> you, you always feel the urge like, well, for years and years, they've been making movies and they always wrap them up at the end. They put a little bow on top and then you walk away and then they roll the credits. It does right. does not have to. I think we're all well aware now that it's not how it always works or how it rarely works. You know? But still, I mean, I think, you know, with what you're doing with this podcast is so essential to people's creative motivation. You need yeah. to know that other people, I don't want to say suffer too, but also yeah. the, the, the payoff for it, the reason, the commitment to it and the encouragement that this, yes, this is about as good as you can get as a human being. Yeah. You yeah. are really doing, you're out there on, a, on an edge where not too many people want to occupy because it's hard and you don't get to see a return for it immediately. And it makes you question all the time. Is this worth it? Is this worth it? Is it even getting to anybody? Do I even like this anymore? Yeah. Do I want to do this anymore? I don't know. I don't know. Like it's, it's that is yeah. all part of this journey. I don't want to call it a trip because it sounds like a head trip, but and journey yeah. sounds kind of cute. <laughs> Shit show is really good, as close it's as really you can get to uh, uh, what it's really like. It is all your good stuff me messed up with every reason not to do it, and then and then every once in a while you get these moments where somebody tells you something that just like, oh my god, they get it, they get it. It is so worth it. Oh my god, it was so worth it. But in the moments where it just goes to pot, you're like, yeah, what am I doing? I'm not making any money. Why am I doing this? Yeah. 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 And then in that scene where my light went over Westminster Bridge and I was just like, I, I, this is so not worth it. Like, yeah, I, put, I spent all this money and all this time. And, and then just like the one the, thing I need to take photographs is now floating gone. down the like, river. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, that was crazy. And they, and it totally, got, I just hear you. I don't know, remember if you get to see it fall, but I remember seeing it float for sure. And oh, I was like, yeah. oh shit, she just dropped it. <laughs> yeah, but that to me, it was like the crystalline moment where yeah. it all goes to pot and there's, and you're so deep in that you're just truly fucked. And <laughs> you're like, you, it really makes you question. Like I, it was, ugh. but I am here to tell you, Every minute was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I just don't know who I'd be without it. I might be kind of a dick because I'm not satisfied. So yeah. I take it out on others and, and I don't really, I can't understand why I'm not happy. Yeah, like we said before, you'd be living cranky constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, I mean, listen, I, uh, as I'm, before I ask you the, the, ra- the final wrap up question, I mean, this, this whole talk, just having it, whether it was on, I'm glad we're able to share this with others, first of all. Yeah. And I thank you for, for making the time to do it. But um, even just if we had this talk where no one could hear it, it's comp- deeply valuable to me. Yeah. So I really, really appreciate it. But before we cut out, I do want to know what what's, you know, what I have to ask, what comes next? You know, and, and obviously I'm going to sh- give people ways to connect and hopefully yeah. you and I will stay connected. But what, what comes next for you? So... I, to me, my sweet spot is is kind of the same place where that's that the Playing House projects stem from, is how we project who we are so that we feel it on the inside, mm-hmm. like the the crustacean uh, method to success: outside first and inside second. So uh, it's all about how we tell the world who we are so that we feel successful. So I'm taking this to LinkedIn. Oh, wow. Right. So my, one of my best photography teachers said, you have, to te- you have to take a stance that is personal. And so everything needs to stem from your own, I don't want to call it truth. I forgot the word she used, but it has to come from within in order for it to resonate outside with anyone else. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is, this is where I, I'm going to live for, until I die probably but i i really think that linkedin is the worst place where we try to pretend that we are somebody yeah for someone else so that we get certain returns yeah and and so i thought of taking once again self portraits but taking on the persona of uh what would i look like what would i what would my resume reflect if I were the chief of product for a tech company, <laughs> what would I look like if I were an administrative assistant for a shipping company? What would I look like if I took on all these different personas and changed my resume with each image? So I become a chameleon reflecting all the different images of success. Jeez, that, that is great. That people try to do for each other so that they can be even more successful. Climb up the ladder to another persona of, you know, no longer are you early career, you're a veep. What does it mean? Yeah, what does that mean? (laughs) I think that all the time when I read those, like when uh, the, the job title, it's like, I mean, do I know what that is really? I mean, it's like, what the hell? That is, yeah, I mean, so I'm taking my personal experience, right? So I've, I've, I've lived my life for the, not only creativity, but to also path. Yeah. Right? So I'm not, I'm not just the one cranking out the donuts anymore. I'm the one directing. Yep. And, and what does that mean? I'm grown up now and that means I'm worth more money. And, <laughs> and what has that done to, I've seen I've seen people who have yeah I've started with them you know at the very bottom and now they're they're veeps and CEOs and how are they the same how are they different how did they do it 
how did they make other others believe that they now are C-suite material? It's projection. It's how you talk. It's how you behave. It's how you look. It's the resume you have. So to me, it's very much related to the success story of uh, maternity and matrimony, but this now extends to career. And I think it's even more a ripe uh, place for for this introspection. Um, and it came to me because, you know, I'm applying for, for gigs. I'm applying for work. And I, every company, I have to tweak myself a little bit to be what they want. Marketable. Marketable. Yeah. So how do you tweak yourself beyond that? And so it smacks of, you know, I remember being told, don't change yourself for a boyfriend. You're who you are. Yeah. Just be you. We love you, who you are. Mm, is that true? Is that really true? When I'm when I'm turning into a chameleon for whomever the audience is? Yeah. Am I really me? Yeah, it's almost like they're kind of saying, well, we love you for who you are whenever you are what we, we want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so how does that affect you personally? How does that affect your mindset? How does that infect your persona yeah. as well as your real identity? And if you're not aware of it, it's definitely going to change you over time. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, so one thing that I found really hard was converting my personality to be inside a corporation at multiple stages. So after being filmed over a period of five years to be on a in a documentary, I learned to just let it all out. You know, no, don't hide anything. Don't try and control your message. Just just live out loud. You got on camera. And then once I got back into needing to hunt for work and then being um, being put higher higher and higher levels of, of leadership. It's about controlling yourself. It's controlling what you say, controlling how people perceive you, positioning yourself in a way that isn't genuine. And so it was very hard for me to learn not to, to, to self-censor. And I just think that is such a sweet spot in terms of navigating your identity and how you live in this world, controlling who you are, and letting it out, controlling it and letting it out. <laughs> we do it in bursts, all of us, right? Yeah. And then there's some people, there's there's some that never let it out and then there's some that constantly do. <laughs> it's yeah. like. I just think that's so fertile. Yeah, absolutely. That I, I can hardly wait. So uh, any timeline on it or is it just something that's kind of stewing right now? It's stewing. What I'm trying to figure out is how do I manage this while also Really working through it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, it's like I, I want to use LinkedIn as my sort of gallery platform or experiential platform, criticizing what we do on that platform. But also the platform sets you up to, to be that. It asks you to send you prompts to shape your your not just your resume, but how you are perceived <laughs> on their on their platform. So I definitely want this to happen on the platform. And I need um, I need to use a real account. Yeah. I'm not going to reach anybody. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can logistically do this. And I also want to plan how it rolls out and where it rolls out and what the identities are that I, I, I 
shoot myself for training man and the resumes that go along with it and you know I, this this is going to take some planning so well i can hardly wait i can tell you that he's got some ideas let me know uh i any any time <laughs> i'm looking on it now i'll be looking at it with a different lens so maybe something will strike um, <laughs> right on. See how well, we rub off on each other. It, exactly right. Now it'll be like your postcard starts like, oh, hey, if you're going to do that, check this out. You know, right? <laughs> so, right? Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for this, man. Thank you so much. And let's step. We'll we'll talk. We're going to talk more. I have a feeling as uh, this is one of those things we got to stick together. Right. Creatives. Oh, yeah. We should get a group down. Like we should do a call with five people on it. Yeah. OK. I can do that. I actually have. See, if we rub off on each other, it can only get better. Okay, I'm going to plan that. Actually, I I had somebody that reached out. We did one before. And if you're cool with doing another one, we can make a group. Totally. You're on. I'm down. All right. Well, have a good rest of the day and we'll right. uh, we'll talk soon. Come, brother. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.